Hey guys, welcome back to the Intentional Queen podcast. It's your host, Janine, and the life coach of Intentional Queen Journey, where I come to empower women to become the best versions of themselves on their self-love, self-healing, and growth mindset journey. I'm so grateful to have you guys, and I hope that you're having a good, happy new year for 2022. And what I want you to do, guys, is I want you to go back and I want you to screenshot listening to the podcast and tag me at Intentional Queen Journey on IG, because when you do that, it makes the reach go far. We've been doing so much on the podcast where I have been talking about teach people how to treat you, knowing your capacity, knowing your worth betting on yourself. I did a whole podcast episode on the glow up tips for 2022 and how you could be hidden in plain sight and how God can sometimes keep you in a season and a reason and a place for something or someone to bless and sow into them just for that time period. So just make sure that you guys are taking care of yourself. But before I go any further, I have a special guest with me today and this lovely young lady, I've known her for a while. We both are nurses, but I remember when she was a nursing student through our nursing sorority coming through and now she a big girl doing big things and I had to have her on the podcast today because she definitely is going to bless us about her journey with diabetes that topic is very near and dear to me because of a family member that I lost to diabetes and I just really want people to understand taking care of yourself and what self-care means and she's going to definitely do it for you. So, Miss Shana, I'm going to have you come on to the podcast. Welcome, welcome to Intentional Queen Podcast, my friend. Tell me a little bit about you. Yes, I am so happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. So I am a registered nurse and a certified diabetes care and education specialist. I am the manager at a minority-owned hospital in the diabetes clinic, and I do a lot of education. We do what we call the self-management education. So what I do is I explain to people living with diabetes of all types what is happening in their body and what they can do at home to care for themselves. So it's all about empowering the diabetic to do all of their care at home. And then I I hold their hand as long as they need their hand held. And I provide support and kind of back them up with the decisions that they decide to make about their care along the way. I love it. I love it. So you do, besides for that, you have a little side business that you are developing. And I want you to talk more about that. Cause as I said in the intro, how I feel about diabetes and how important it is for me. And I want you to discuss how and why you became doing this to this capacity. I'm just going to call it that because only you can break down about your business. Talk to me. Alrighty. So yes, outside of working in the hospital setting as a diabetes educator, I I mean, I realized in working in an underserved community or with one underserved community that it's not enough, right? So I want my reach and my education to go further and be able to impact other underserved communities and underheard people living with diabetes. And that stems from Uh, me personally having a younger brother who was diagnosed with type one diabetes, which is an autoimmune disease at the age of, he was eight and I was 11 going on 12. And so at that time, my family didn't, did not know anything. We had not heard of any other black child with this disease. We knew absolutely nothing. And we were devastated. 
And so what I've learned in this journey with him and in this journey as a professional is that there are many other families who are impacted and have no idea what's going on. So I am the founder and the CEO of the Brown Skin and Insulin Collective, which is, yes, it was a business that was created to raise awareness uh, for diabetes through stories, both fiction and nonfiction. So I've already started my journey on the non, on the, excuse me, fiction side by creating a children's book series called Shia Learns, which is about a young black girl who's diagnosed with type one diabetes in her journey to learning what that means. Oh, that's so, so good. We getting the kids early y'all. Yes. So this book, it has, honestly, I've had kids and adults alike tell me that they learned so much about what's happening in the body with the very first book Shia learns about insulin and I took that book and I marketed it to make it go even larger and wider and right now it's being provided um, in all children's hospitals in the U.S. to families that are newly diagnosed with diabetes through a partnership with a foundation called the Junior Diabetes the Junior Diabetes Research Foundation or JDRF. They're the biggest funding foundation for type 1 diabetes and finding a cure for that autoimmune disease. So adding my book to a bag that they give to all newly diagnosed families is a big deal. So I'm going to pause you right there because you deserve a clap right there. <laughs> Listen, y'all, y'all Thank need to you. understand this is a blessing. So she has created a book. We're going to give you all that information at the end of the interview because I want you guys to go ahead and support her any way you can, especially if you have a member of your family that has diabetes. So she said this book is good for adults and kids alike. Mm-hmm. And one thing I wanted to just touch on real quick before we move forward is that my cousin. I call her my sister cousin because that's how close we were and we were the same age and she died a couple years ago. And I talk about her on the podcast because when I was in nursing school and you know how we have to always pick a disease to look into and people, nobody in my family had it. Nobody really knew what juvenile diabetes was. I remember uh, when I was younger with her, we were riding bikes and then she had Uh, frequent urination, frequent thirst, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I went to my mom, I think we were like preteens and I'm like, something's not right. You know, we drink some juice and then we go out and ride bikes and we come right back because she got to go to the bathroom and they took her to get diagnosed. And when they took her to get diagnosed, um, that's what it was. And it was a little bit devastating for my entire family because we didn't know what it was. We didn't know how to help her. The food situation was a whole big to do because, you know, in our culture, we eat differently. And so uh, changing eating habits was a big thing. And also helping her not to feel alone in her journey because she didn't know anybody else who had it. And Mm -hmm. it also brings me back to not to get too far off topic, but that movie Still Magnolias, where it talks about, I think Julia Roberts was the one in there with the diabetes. And they talk about how your kidneys and having a kid and how that can affect your kidneys, right? And when they give them steroids, and I think she passed away in the movie because she decided to have her child, but she had already had so much damage to her kidneys that it caused kidney failure to the extent that it caused her to... um, 
have more chronic illness that led to her death. And I feel mm-hmm. like people need to have more awareness. And I feel like you're giving people that awareness that the things that you do now do affect your future and things Absolutely. aren't happening within your body that you do have to take care of yourself. So I'm just kudos you right now. And um, like I said, I'm trying not to get teary eyed because this is a topic near and dear to me. And that's why I wanted to share this space today with you. So let's talk some more. We did a little pre-interview, but there was so much girl that we wanted to talk about. So tell me what your word of the year is. My word of the year is boundaries. Two snaps. Boundaries. Okay. So important. I think in the startup of this business and being so passionate about diabetes education and also now working, just to give a little bit of background, I went from um, working in a hospital setting where I was the minority, right? So I was the only African-American diabetes educator and nurse in my clinic. And a lot of the African-American children and families that came in kind of were like, it was like a, a, a moth to a flame. They were all trying to come and see me because I understood them in a way that the other clinicians did not. They and identify also, with you. Yeah. They identify with me and I made sure that they received the same quality care and resources and technology as others. And in, in doing that, I realized that I could be a lot more beneficial in a space where maybe I wasn't the minority, but I had the experience and access to education and knowledge um, of this technology enough where I could go into working in a clinic where we see majority Black people and I'm working with majority um, Black people, like my all my coworkers are African-American. And in that, my passion revved up for 2021. Like I was on fire because I realized that I can really help in this in this community and I want to do everything I can possibly do. And so I took on everything and then started my business and I took on everything. And then my book was added to JDRS Bag of Hope and shipped around the US. And so I said yes to every interview that came as a result of that merger. So I have been completely boundaryless for over a year now. (laughs) But now let's let's do that one more time for the person. (laughs) But now, but now uh-huh. <laughs> we yes. are going to, I am going to work on setting very healthy boundaries so that I can continue to effectively care for the communities that I'm trying to reach. I, I cannot pour from an empty cup. And right now this cup is uh, running low. All right. Listen, I totally understand that. (laughs) Evolve is my word for the year. Uh, In the past, my words was pivot and peace. And this year Mm. I felt like it was evolved because it's a transformation that's happening even in my own business. And I understand when you say you work full time somewhere else, but this is like your baby on the side and how you transform, but you also have to have boundaries and self-care. And so what I want to talk about more because self-care could mean so many things for different people, but I want you to tell me because this podcast is about self-love, self-healing and growth mindset. So one thing you talked about with your mindset is boundaries and that comes from your thoughts, right? Feelings come from thoughts. 
thoughts of what you want to do. And you said, Janine, I want to go ahead and I want to create healthy boundaries because I want my cup to be filled back up. I want to have the capacity to birth this baby that you're already doing and just go ahead and nurture it the best way. So what does self-love mm-hmm. mean to you? How, how do you feel like that shows up for you now as you're moving forward in your personal life, in professional life? That's a great question. I think There was something that I read back in 2019, maybe that said, and when I ask you to list the things you love, how, how long before you name yourself? Mm. And I realized that I had been functioning in a place where all of the things and all of the people that I loved were higher on that list than myself. I never even thought about adding myself (laughs) to the list. And I feel like my success started to manifest once I put myself as number one. Mm. So when I became number one on my list of things that I love, everything else started to fall in line. I, you know, met a man and became, I'm in a relationship now with a person that mirrors the love that I have for myself. So because I care, I carry myself with such a high esteem, he does the same. He knows he can't, he can't step, have steps he's got come stepping because I'm stepping for myself, you know, as far as my business, I feel like I am seen as uh, one, one woman said, you're a powerhouse, you know, and I think that they see me as being confident, confident, and they see me as doing all of these things in a way that I feel like I know I can accomplish them because I love myself. Right. And God doesn't give me a vision without giving me what I need to make that vision come to life but I've got to have faith girl you a giraffe out here in these (laughs) streets y'all know that's what I say now yes (laughs) Yes. I'm like of the love that I have for myself I you know continuously make sure that I keep keep that firm because I need it as I continue to try to be a successful entrepreneur as well as a successful employee you know as well as in a successful romantic relationship as well as in successful platonic relationships you know all of that balance of life the balances of life are so it's so important to keep myself right there at the top so that the balance can continue to happen so I love that I do want you to, to say it one more time what was it that you read say that statement again it was so good I read uh and if I ask you to list all the things that you love how how soon would you name yourself? Mm, That's so good, guys. I want y'all to go ahead and think about that. That's a question that I want y'all to answer because that is key. And that goes back to your capacity to hold as we talk about, but also teaching people how to treat you. But self-love is just, it's cliche to hear, but it's so important. I feel like you fully can't love people to that level unless you love yourself to that level. And I heard you say, even in your personal romantic relationship, when you come into something whole and you know your value, you know your worth. Me and my brother did a whole series on that, talking about true presentation is not always the true representation. And we talked about self-value and self-worth. And I think you talking more about your business, it brought me to 
uh, imposter syndrome and how you said that you have confidence and you know. And I feel like sometimes as we birth these new ventures and we have vision, sometimes imposter syndrome does keep creep in a little bit. And Miss mm-hmm. Terry Huggins Hart talked about that and then just knowing who you are. So when they say you're a powerhouse and you're confident, that starts from knowing who you are, knowing your Absolutely. worth and knowing your value. So and standing on that. And I love how you did that. And I see God first. So I love how you bring him in too, because people just really don't understand when, when things get shaky and they get rocky, that's, you have to lean in on something Absolutely. and I lean in on my faith. Oh girl, that's Absolutely. so good. I tell you, I, I, I remember because prior to me, even starting this, this journey that I've embarked on now, I had severe suicidal ideation. Um, I had moved in 2015 to Los Angeles so that I could be far enough away from my family to take my life. And Mm. they did not know. So I know I got a job, everyone. I'm going to start a job. But really, I was going to get far enough away that if I decided that I was going to take my life, I could do it without someone being there to stop me. So when I was on that plane and I was transitioning to Los Angeles, I cried the entire time. And I remember the woman sitting next to me grabbing my hand and saying, it's going to be okay. And I remember thinking to myself that this journey that I'm about to start is one where I am going to either not live this life anymore or change my life to one that I want to live. Mm. And in that moment, I realized as soon as I got to Los Angeles, and I saw all of the different hills and just the beauty of the land. And I felt the fresh air. I felt a, a refresher renew that God was giving me that in this time, I'm actually going to equip you with what you need to change your life to one that you want to live. And it's then that I, I worked at, as a regular bedside pediatric nurse. And three months into me working at bedside, there was a woman that came to teach us about diabetes. She came up, I'm going to teach you guys, I'm a diabetes educator. I'm going to teach you guys about how you care for our diabetes patients on your unit. And when she was done, she walked out into the hallway and I said, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And I chased her. I ran after her and I said, please, I love diabetes. Can you mentor me? And she said, I'll do you one better. I'll get you a job in our clinic. And I looked at her like, this is three months into me moving to LA. So I'm like, just like, okay, I'm gonna keep trying God. But boy, I tell you, it's, I don't, I'm tired. You know, I had took pills with me. I was ready whenever, you know, but God, I'm I'm gonna try this. And in, in three months of me working as a bedside nurse, I went into a diabetes clinic. And when I say I thrived in that environment, I thrived and I realized that this was me embarking on my purpose. And to now fast forward to 2022 and see how far I've come as a diabetes educator and to no longer have suicidal ideation and to come back to where I started and be able to continue to thrive is just, it just lets me know that, you know, God is is all up and in this. And I remember even then, having intense therapy sessions. And once I'm saying to my therapist, you keep telling me to love myself, but I don't know how. How do I do it? How do I love myself? I don't know. And she said, the fact that you ask that question, you're going to get your answer. The fact that you just ask that question, I promise you, 
you're about to start getting your answer. And the way that I have found to love myself is by giving myself what it needs, you know, giving myself. Ooh, say it one more time movement. in the back. I'm high. <laughs> Come on now. One That's more it. time in the back. Say that one more time. The way that I learned how to love myself is by giving myself what I need. So I needed movement. I needed water. I needed meditation. I needed, you know, it normalizes. I needed medication, <laughs> okay, for anxiety Which is okay. and depression. And that's okay. These are the things that I need in order to, to, that I need to give myself so that I can show myself that I love myself. And when I started doing that, it took it up a whole nother level. I had already had so many major blessings. But now it was like, now that you put in the work for yourself, now I'm going to turn it up. And so that's where we are now. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to clap. I'm going to take a pause one because we want to commend you on your bravery of speaking about things that a lot of people keep in the silence. Yeah. I'm going to commend you on that. That's heavy. Thank you. That's heavy. And you just release and you just broke someone free when they hear this. You just broke someone free. Okay. I'm trying to hold it back for you, girl. Your test just became a testimony for somebody. You just broke somebody free. We have broken people free on this podcast. And I'm letting you know, you just broke somebody free. Okay. Overcoming things, using your pain and putting purpose. You just did that. Mm -hmm. That's so good because that's the way you give back. And I feel like God takes you higher and you weren't even looking for that diabetes educator job. But if you had never went Mm -mm. over there and you never sat in that meeting and you never ran up to her, look at what has, (laughs) right. Listen, ran up to her. If you had never did those actions because you were at a place, I call that because, you know, I always talk about the butterfly and that's why it's a logo. There's an eight in the middle because I believe it's a journey. But when you go through the cycles of metamorphosis of a butterfly, you start out as a bruised caterpillar. okay? and that's when you feel alone. Those were the moments you were having that I feel like you're in the wilderness. Nobody understands. Mm -hmm. You can't even come out. But then God Mm -hmm. send you somebody and you go in the cocoon and you do the work and you see how you started saying, you know what? I need to make a change. Mm-hmm. You start asking questions to your therapist mm-hmm. and then you started seeking the answers and leaning into your faith and God started to order your steps. And then okay. when you felt strong enough, you birthed this book, this whole thing, and it's just becoming a whole on success. And I'm just so happy and thankful and blessed and just cheering you on girl, because it Thank all you. started from that plane ride. And I was I'm listening you. Because you had intentions on what you thought, but God used it to his advantage. And you Mm -hmm. just set somebody free, girl. You set somebody free right there. That's a whole word. Um, I'm telling you. (sighs) What is something you will go back and tell your younger self? Keep going. That's what, if I could go back and speak to even the me that, in, in 2015, that was in an abusive relationship and just wanting to get, I could go back to that right now. Just keep going. Mm-hmm. I, I know you can't see it yet, but you're going to get here, <laughs> you know? Because and consistency is key and right, keep, keep going. going. Trust the process. Going, trust it. You, you're going to be all right. It don't, it doesn't. I'm, when I tell you it did not feel like it, it did not feel like it. It, it just was like, oh, this is too heavy. This is too much. 
everything is too much. I can't do this anymore. And if I could just go back and just say, just keep going. You, you're going you're gonna to keep going anyway. But let me just reassure you that it's worth it to keep going. Let me just give you that reassurance. Because I think that was the one thing for me at that time was just needing reassurance that if I kept pushing through these difficult times, that there would be reward at the end. That if I did have that, because the, the faith was a mustard seed. <laughs> mustard seed, girl. Said, listen, <laughs> say it one more time. What was the faith? A mustard seed with that much faith in it. Just, just a, I'm talking about a little dash of faith. Hold on to that little bit of faith. Watch what happens. Man, that's what I would say. Mm, that's a word, girl. Listen, I'm pausing because that's a word. Yeah. So now I'm going to say, is there anything else you want to tell the intentional queens before we get into your closing and getting into your contact information? Well, from, from a clinician standpoint, when you're getting your annual physicals by your doctor, please ask your doctor to take labs and check your hemoglobin A1C. What is One, the normal values? The normal value, right. So an A1C um, less than 6.5% is considered normal. When you are at that 6.5% or higher, then you are considered diabetes. Excuse me, let me, let me actually go back. Let me, let me say that correctly. An A1C up to 5.7% is considered normal. 5.7% to 6.5% is pre-diabetes. Does not mean you have diabetes, but it means that you are close to, you are um, at risk of getting diabetes. So you should probably do some lifestyle changes so that it does not happen. You can stop diabetes from progressing and moving forward. And then an A1C of 6.5% or higher is considered full-blown diabetes. The thing is we get annuals done and a lot of people do not get their A1Cs checked. And so then they pull out the statistic that one in 10 people have diabetes. And of that one in 10 people that have diabetes, one in five don't know that they have it. And since COVID has started, it's looking like that one in 10 have diabetes is changing to one in eight. So it's becoming even more prevalent because of um, COVID, people sitting at home, not exercising and eating, you know, more unhealthy things. So I, one thing from a clinician standpoint is go get your hemoglobin A1C checked. If you are less than 5.7%, then okay. If you are between that 5.7% to 6.5%, please start exercising. I suggest 150 minutes of physical activity per week. That's just 30 minutes, five days a week at minimum. Moderate activity. You don't have to go crazy. Um, and then if you are 6.5 or higher, please go see a diabetes educator. Try to be seen in a diabetes clinic. Do not just be seen by your primary care provider. Ask for a referral for an endocrinologist because your primary care physician does not know enough to manage your diabetes properly. I promise you, they do not know. And what usually happens is they try to do it for years and then that person starts to have complications and then they end up at an endocrinologist and seeing me, a diabetes educator. When if I could help you from the beginning, we could even potentially get you off of diabetes medication. 
Mm-hmm. So that's that's my spiel for that's your word standpoint. Yes, that's my <laughs> word. So what I do want to do, listen, it's all about fun here. Listen, we all about being our authentic self. And me, you talked about that at the beginning mm-hmm. of our pre-interview. But I want to dig a little bit more because you know how I feel diabetes is near and dear to me. So it's a few things I want to go into about that, and then we're gonna close this yeah. up. One, okay. I want you to give me some more information on complications. Yes. And signs and symptoms outside of lab values that that conclude people in that they need to be seen. Very good. Absolutely. I, I would love to do that. So when we talk about diabetes complications, um, most people think about the movie Soul Food, <laughs> where mm-hmm. Big Mama had to get her leg cut off um, <laughs> and get it amputated. I want everyone that listens to this <laughs> to know you do not have to have a leg amputation. I have so many of my, uh, about, I would say between the ages of 45 to 80 that I see in this clinic that go, oh, my diabetes is fine because I still have my legs. And I know someone who lost both their legs or lost their toes. And I still have my, so I'm good. And they have really bad kidney function right now and don't realize that that plays a big part as well. So it's important to know that you do not have to lose um, limbs. And it's also important to know that there are other complications that can be caused from having high blood sugars for a prolonged period. So living with diabetes does not mean you have to have complications if you manage your blood sugars. However, um, everyone, no one's perfect, right? So Sometimes your blood sugars may run higher. So we're talking about above 200, right? But if we're talking your blood sugars have been above 200 for months to months to months to years, then you're starting to put yourself at increased risk for stroke, heart attack, gum disease. That's a big one. People don't realize how their gums with there being more sugar in your mouth can really be affected. You're also putting yourself at high risk for kidney disease and kidney failure. That's probably the biggest one. Um, Another big one people don't realize is that you can have uh, loss in vision, loss in eyesight. A lot of my younger group, I would say 30 to 40 that have type one diabetes, the autoimmune version where their body does not produce any insulin, they're losing their eyesight. I mean, completely losing it because they're not giving themselves insulin from the outside at all. And so they come in and they don't want to admit that they cannot see, but I can tell, (laughs) like, I I know you can't see me. I know that you're not seeing things. They're running into walls and unwilling to even get a little, you know, the, the stick to kind of help them and guide them because they're young, but you can lose your eyesight. Okay. Um, So those are your like chronic from having prolonged, like having a blood sugar for a long, for high for a long period, but there are acute things too, right? And so that goes into signs and symptoms. So signs of high blood sugar, if you, if you are not diagnosed with diabetes is, are the same as the acute signs that your blood sugar has been running high if you do have diabetes. So the first thing that triggers is an increase in thirst. And the reason why when your blood sugars are high, you become more thirsty is because if there's more sugar running around in your bloodstream, it can make your blood thicker. And so the body tells us to drink more fluid to thin out our bloodstream again. A lot of people, however, drink more juice. And so what you're actually doing is adding more sugar instead of thinning it out. 
So that's your number one sign there. Increased urination happens because you are drinking more, but also because that's the only other place that the body can get extra sugar out, which is why there's an increased risk for kidney failure because our kidney should not be filtering sugar. Um, but that if you're in, if you're urinating a lot more, it's because your body is pushing that sugar out in your urine. Okay. The other thing can be increased hunger. The, the concept that food is fuel comes from the idea that when we eat food that has carbohydrates, the carbohydrates in our food get broken down in our stomach and turn into sugar and that goes into the bloodstream. Even though someone's blood sugar is high, what's supposed to happen is that insulin comes in and moves that sugar into our cells to give ourselves the energy that we need to do all the things that we do. But because that sugar is not moving into our cells, our body feels like it's being starved because we get our energy from the food. So if I'm not getting the energy, then you're not eating enough. And so your body may trigger you to eat more. A lot of people don't realize that one. And then the final one is tired, which makes sense, right? Based on what I just said, if you're not getting the energy that you need from the food that you are eating, even though you're eating, you're going to be tired. So a lot of people have more naps, they're sleeping more, those are going to be your first signs and also could be your uh, acute side effects of having higher blood sugar. I got two things here. So for, you know, I'm a nurse anesthesiologist in my day to day. So I do a lot of pre-ops with my patients. And one of the things on their H&P is, do you have diabetes? And they always mm -hmm. ask me and I always have to dig a little bit more into, but you're the, you're the specialist. So I'm going to go ahead and play as a patient. And I want you to give me a response that you would want me to say or that you would give your patients, okay? Uh, a lot of the times I get, well, my blood sugar is good today. Why do I need a hemoglobin A1C? So what's the difference between getting your fasting blood sugar checked daily, right, versus the hemoglobin A1C? Give us the difference. I know the difference, but I want you to break it down for the intentional queens. Wonderful. Yeah, so hemoglobin A1C is an average blood sugar over the past three months. So every three months, our red blood cells refresh. And so this lets us see during that refreshing how much sugar was attached to the outside of those cells instead of going inside to give the body the energy that we need. Now, when you're doing your finger sticks, when you're doing your, your spot check blood sugars, or even if you have a continuous glucose monitor, um, what you're looking at is quick snapshots of what's going on. So you may, someone may have one good day, but if the month before they were running in the 300s and 400s, that's important to note, especially if they're getting a procedure done, because you want to make sure that they're at the healthiest space to heal. And if your blood sugars have been running high, then your body cannot heal as well. Two snaps. Come <laughs> on now. Okay. So a lot of people don't, even with something as simple as getting tooth extractions, you just want to make sure that the glucoses have been running in a safe space for the body to heal properly. And so that's why it's important to, yes, check your blood sugars because, and I tell this to my patients all the time, because they're like, well, if you're going to check my A1C, why do I need to check my blood sugar at home? Well, because you won't see me for another three months. But if you notice for a month or even two weeks that your blood sugar is running above 200 all the time or every day after dinner, every day after lunch, you can reach back out to me so that I can help you change your insulin doses, or we can talk about lifestyle modifications so that your A1C will be lower and your blood sugars get fixed sooner. We don't want you to wait three full months 
and have high blood sugar for three, four months before you fix the situation. If you know ahead of time, you can fix it then, right? Like That's so good. And this is <laughs> so another important. thing. What's the difference between type one and type two diabetes? And sometimes type two diabetes say, well, I, why do I got to take insulin? You know, they have some new insulin mm. that the type two can take. So give us a mm-hmm. quick rundown on that. Don't make it too deep because, you know, some yes. of these people ain't ready for it all, but we just yes. piecemeal them so they can have some education. Come on. Oh, yeah. So I'll just make it, you know, very simple. Type one diabetes is an autoimmune disease. So what that means is that the immune system made a mistake and attacked the cells that produce insulin in our body, the cells in our pancreas. Um, And so, you know, how we can find out if someone has type one diabetes is by checking them for antibodies, by checking their body to see if there was something that was produced to attack those cells that, that create the insulin. So once those cells are attacked, we can't give them back. And right now we're hope, we're hoping for a cure one day, but they cannot um, reproduce and we can't give them back and eventually they all fizzle out. So the only treatment for type one diabetes is to give insulin from the outside because they make none on the inside. Type two diabetes is not autoimmune. The body still has the cells that produce insulin. It's just that the insulin that, that's being naturally made is not being used properly anymore. So insulin, we consider the key to unlock the cells to open, you know, to, to get our sugar inside for energy. But it's like having a key to the back door and you're at the front door. So even though the body's producing the insulin, the insulin's not opening up our cells the way it's supposed to. So it causes the high blood sugars to happen as well. So that's that's the major difference. There's a lot, a lot of lifestyle factors, more so with type two diabetes than type one that can cause it. Um, so sedentary lifestyle, eating unhealthy, not exercising will all increase the risk for having more resistance, insulin resistance. Oh, that's so that's good. A short one. Yeah. I think you gave a good summary on that because what else both being <laughs> nurses, you know, we could talk about this all day because we, 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 we were trained time, on yeah. this, right? Yes. So, so what I want to do as we're wrapping up is one, I want you to get ready to give us where we can find you on social media. Tell us that website and tell us about the book so we can go ahead and support you. Okay, great. Yes. Yeah, so you can find out more information about the Brown Skin and Insulin Collective at www.bsicollective.com or you can just put in www.shiaslearns.com. They route to the same place. So either or, um, and there you will find more information about what I'm doing next. So I've already tackled fictional stories. I am now preparing to tackle nonfiction stories through a documentary called The BSI Project. So if you'd like to help um, make that dream come to life, you can give funding towards my campaign so that we can bring that to life. Um, You can purchase books on that site. So the Shia Learns books, there are three different books in the series. Two have published. So Shia Learns about insulin and then Shia Learns about diabetes care. The final one, Shia Learns about type two diabetes is almost done. It'll be here in March. So that will all be on the website to purchase. I do not sell my books on Amazon. I believe in full ownership. And so the only way you can find the books is on that website. 
I love it, love it, love it. So we're going to get ready to wrap this interview up. We are so thankful to have you on the podcast. So Queens, let me go ahead and give you all the rundown. Y'all know y'all can follow me at Intentional Queen Journey. Definitely reach out to her, go to her website, support her business, whether you donate, whether you buy a book, whether you share it with someone who needs to hear this information. We are definitely out here trying to have iron, sharpen iron, and we're educating each other on self-love, self-healing, and growth mindset. And so- my social media as well is www.intentionalqueenjourney.com. You can go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. When you do that, it makes the reach go far. You know, always say level up your intentional queen to a better you. And I'll see you guys in two weeks. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.